Welcome to another episode of the Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Ayana. I am very pleased to have Yasmin and Randy. Welcome to the Exploring Art Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having us here today, Ayana. I'm really excited to discuss about this discussion today. Yes, Ayana, thank you so much for having us here. We are really excited and thrilled to be talking about a very interesting piece of literature and a very interesting man. I agree. Today's case is a poem by William Carlos William. If you haven't heard it already, it reads, This is just to say, I have eaten the plums that were in the icebox, and which you were probably saving for breakfast. Forgive me, they were delicious, so sweet, and so cold. Today, we want to have a discussion on what, if any, difference should it make if someone discovered that Williams had not written such a poem, that he had never intended it for publication, and that, in fact, it was just a note he had left on the door of a friend's refrigerator after eating all of the plums. We'll refer back to this poem in just a few moments, but let's dive into the history of William Carlos Williams. Gasman, take it away. Thank you so much. So, William Carlos Williams was born on September 17, 1883 in Rutherford, New Jersey. And this is actually kind of ironic that this is his birthday weekend and we are talking about him. So, happy late birthday, Mr. Williams. Happy birthday! Williams was the son of William, George, and Raquel. Both of his parents were immigrants and his father was British, his mother was Puerto Rican. He lived with his parents, grandmother, brother, and uncles in Rutherford, New Jersey, so really a full house. For two years, Williams studied abroad in France with his mother and his brother. When William returned to the States, his father felt that it would be best for him if he would be enrolled in a high school. He attended Horace Mann High, where he first began his literature career and found his love for writing and poetry. After high school, he continued to pursue his passion for writing in college at the University of Pennsylvania. He was 19 when he enrolled attending the university and he got his MD and still became a writer and pursued his passion. While he was in college, he befriended a man named Ezra Pound. Pound was also a writer who influenced William's early works. Fun fact, actually, Williams had a forbidden love. He admitted that to his brother that he was in love with Ezra's girlfriend, Hilda Doolittle. He never did act on these feelings, though, because he valued Ezra's friendship too much. Over time, Williams realized that Pound's European traditional writing style was not 100% suitable for him. When it was, when this is when Williams developed his simple form of writing, he wanted something fresh, something new. He worked at a children's hospital for two years after graduating from the university. You would think that his love life would be cursed, honestly, after hearing this and after hearing the previous incident with Ezra's girlfriend but he fell in love with a woman named Charlotte Herman. Now, Charlotte was also seeing William's brother. So again, Doom's love. He decided to step away from the relationship because he valued his brother's 
relationship with him too much. He did eventually go to marry Florence Herman, who was the sister of Charlotte Herman. They got married on December 12, 1912. Soon after they were married, Florence actually sent a collection of Williams's poems to be published to a magazine called Poetry, based in Chicago. Williams and Florence had two sons, the first named Eric and the second named Paul. He was then struck by tragedy, watching his father slowly die of cancer. And unfortunately, that night when he was about to pass, he was pulled away from the bedside of his father for an emergency, missing his father's last breaths, something that Williams said that he will eternally regret. This inspired his poem, The Clouds. A couple years after his father passed, he lost his grandmother to a stroke. This incident inspired the poem, Sour Grapes. As you can see, family is very important to William's work. His family life has impacted his work heavily. And you could see this based off the two pieces that we just discussed and mentioned. He even writes a three book series to honor his wife and children titled The White Mule. He talks about his heritage for the, in the past of being a son of immigrants that he had to adjust to the American culture. Williams turned the focus of his poetry from turning something ordinary into extraordinary. He used imagery to bring emphasis to the meaning of his artwork and his poetry and literature. He would also take some basic concepts and bring a really deep meaning to them. He can you can really see his style being brought through in the piece that we mentioned earlier. This is just to say. Williams is talking about plums in an icebox. I mean, how simple is that? There's, there must be a greater meaning behind this poem, right? Or is it just simply an apology written on the refrigerator door? Mr. Williams went on to win honors such as the Pulitzer Prize and the National Book Award. Oh, wow, they didn't know Williams, that. Very interesting. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Williams, Williams grew depressed, unfortunately, after he had some strokes. His condition worsened, causing him to be unable to speak and read properly. He passed in his hometown on March 4th, 1963, at 79 years old. For more information, you can check out poets.org, Britannica.com, and Paw Book Libraries by searching Williams Carlos Williams. Thank you, Gasman. We've definitely learned so much about William. It seems he lived a full life. Of course he did. All right. Now, moving on to our topic number two, the, the Icebox poem, the topic that we're, that we're analyzing today. Um, Let's read again the poem to really capture the, the meaning that the author meant to, to really put down in the, in, in the paper. Let's read it again and let's see what we can, we can bring out from the poem. This is just to say, I have eaten the plums that were in the icebox and which you were probably saving for breakfast. Forgive me, they were delicious. So sweet and so cold. In essence, we can say that this poem is a brief piece. This is just to say, by Williams, Carlos Williams, it's a three-stanza poem that is separated into sets of four lines, four quatrains, you can say. 
the lines are limited to one or two words only spoken by a first person narr narrator. As it is common in within Williams writing, there is no punctuation. The stylistic choice has an even greater impact when there are so few words, only 28 in total. Now Williams poems were written in many different time periods, ranging from the 1910s to the 1960s. This is just to say, however, was written during the Great Depression in 1934. The stock market had just had crashed and little did he know that we were on the brink of World War II. In a way, this poem gave the people a sense of hope for a simple life without the source from the failing, from the failing economy that they had in the moment. William's poem was the light in the dark that the Americans needed at this time. Instead of worrying about how will you feed your family in the, in the Great Depression, the only thing there was to worry about was your friend eating your plums that you say for the next morning breakfast. Breakfast. People wanted a simple life, a simple life again that they could live and enjoy. And Williams portrayed that in his 1934 poem. Now, analyzing the structure of the, of the poem, we can say that in, this, in the first stanza, it's given a picture of the temptation that's, that he's facing while seeing something that he likes in which it could not be avoided. Something like a testing phase. A testing phase he's undergoing through when, when, when we read the poem, right? However, in the second stanza, he agrees that by seeing those, those beautiful plums, which he has tempted him, knowing that they might be a safe, saving by, it might be saved by the actual owner, either for breakfast or for any meal of the day, he takes it and has it, he eats the plums. He feels sorry for what he has done. Would you, he could not just avoid it. And hence he happily ate away all the pumps that he saw in the kitchen. Now, in the third stanza, he apologizes for the act that he has done, even though he knew that those plums, which were there in the icebox were for someone else for a meal, he took them and had them and feels very ashamed of himself, of himself and henceforth he leaves back a sorry note stating his deed and the reason as to why he was he fell for it. They were so sweet and so cold as the as the speaker tells the listener. After all, who could stay up, who could stay back from irresistible cold and sweet plums, right? The poem has sweetly yet in a sweetly yet in a convincing manner depicted in this poem the deed and remedy that he has done. Even though he knew those plums were somebody else's, he fell for the temptation. And once he had it, he showed the basic courtesy to ask for forgiveness for what he has done to the owner of the plums. Uh, the short lines also make it seem as if the speaker is having trouble finishing his thought. They, they read like, halting, like a halting speech, as if each new word is difficult to form. This likely has to do with the subject matter of the poem itself, which is an apology for eating some plums. Additionally, as one reads through, the, through this piece, it becomes obvious that the words are almost all single syllables. There are only seven that stretch to two or three syllables, you might say, and this creates a sense of unity within, within in the text a feeling that does not exist within the meter 
or rhyme of a traditional reading form. William chose to write this piece without a specific rhyme, rhyme scheme or metrical pattern in mind. That being said, it does not mean the lines are not organized in a specific and intentional way. The line breaks are systematically scattered throughout the, the short narrative and all the words are arranged for the greatest impact possible. The poem begins with the speaker telling the listener of his crime. He ate the plums, a very specific group of them, from the icebox of what we call now a fridge or refrigerator. These fruits were important to the listener because they were going to have them for breakfast for any meal during the, during the next morning, during the next day. This is a fact the speaker was aware of, but chose to disregard. When he saw them and thought about what they, what they taste like, he couldn't resist and took them. The final lines con contain his apology for, for, to his listener for his actions and the reasoning behind this trial. Uh, we can call this a classic, a classic example of a free verse. The term free verse implies a lack of control, a complete disregard for the technical aspects of good poetry, such as spacing, line endings, syntax, and stanza breaks. Just because a poem doesn't rhyme and lacks, and lacks a regular meter does not mean it is or should be completely free, for that implies chaos and a lack of artistic control. And indeed, and indeed we, can, we can ask ourselves, how free is the verse for this is just to say? Now, know that in, in the, how in the first stanza, there's a small degree of consonance between the words and the outlines, like eating, in, and those in the even lines, plums, icebox. Now, enough for this to be put down to coincidence, sure, but a sign that there are some delicate, subtle poetic effects and, and literary devices in this most prose-like of poems. The sentiment the poem expresses may be unremarkable and prosaic. The arrangement cu cuts against any conclusions that just because the subject is ordinary, the poem must be. Now, William Carlos Williams, our author, believe that everyday domestic details could be incorporated into poetry. This is just to say, it's a classic example of how he went about doing this. When reading this poem from the, from the first time, there's a tendency to go right into the poem because the title reads like the first sentence. You finish reading almost before you even realize it, as if you were precisely capturing that initial surge of energy that inspired the poem, that initial surge of energy when writing, when Williams wrote this poem. But at some point after reading this poem, a step back is necessary, very much necessary. Even though the poem or message is short and appears to be a kind of intimate confession to a close friend, there's a lot more going on than what it is initially visible. Right after finishing the poem, the reader immediately wonders, who, who will the speaker be confessing to? Some readers could assume, based on this informal tone, that Williams initially intended it as a letter to his wife or a close friend that he was living with, you see, since they, he lived in a, in a big house with a, with a lot of people in it, right? Now, even though the poem might certainly be seen as metaphorical for another, another type of meaning, which is using the plums, 
it also may just be a celebration of life's simple joys. The poem's title, This Is Just To Say, is a perfect example of this creative technique. Instead, the poem only examines the satisfaction that might result from enjoying the little pleasures of life, ultimately inspiring the readers to value little pleasures like playfully savoring the sweet taste of stolen plums. It is worth mentioning that Williams was a part of the Images movement, which promoted using straightforward language and appreciating ordinary situations and images. Williams had abandoned this creative strategy by the time he wrote this poem, this is just to say, but the poem's praise of the pleasures of eating plums is a clear example of Imagism's simplicity. A simple poem with lots of thoughts that could be achieved and learned when thought about deeply. I mean, this is a very, very inter interesting poem that you can take in many ways, the meaning of it. Even though William was, was a poet known for his imagination and simplicity, he could put the day-to-day -day activities, the day-to-day -day life, indeed into poetic format for the people to understand the value of morals and, and that lead to a good life. A wonderful poem put in simple language and format is what this poem is all about. So with that being said, let's look at our, our biggest question yet. Is this poem real? Is this poem intended to be real? Is this poem an actual poem? Now it's a modernist theme in poetry to make the reader doubt whether what they're reading is in the poetry. As a result, it makes readers ponder what makes a poem a poem. So if it was found that this poem was a note to someone apologizing for eating their plums, it would affect it by confirming the author's purpose, right? Giving it a simple, but also a magical meaning in itself. Now, thank you for having me in this podcast. If you really want to know more about this, just to say, and Williams, Carlo Williams, you can go to interestingliterature.com and learn more about this amazing author and poem. Thank you. Thanks, Randy. It is remarkably interesting that this poem has the potential to be a note or letter of some sort at first glance. In its true form, it is a poem. As simplistic as it looks, its popularity is a reflection that it holds value and meaning to the writer, making it a poetic piece of art. This makes me refer back to a chapter in a book called Puzzles of Art. There is a theme in this chapter that questions the idea of what makes art, art. Some of the questions it proposes goes along the lines of whether the creator of the work matters and how it is perceived. Does it matter whether it is understood and appreciated in a certain way or taken seriously in a particular fashion? Is the seriousness in the way an audience, audience's response an acknowledgement of deliberation and creative concern on the part of the creator? In this case, does the writer of the poem, William Carlos William, have any part in the way it is perceived to be a true work of art? If this were written by anyone else, would it easily be mis mistaken for a note? Is the tone and seriousness of William play a part in his creative direction? In reference to the chapter, these ideas are something that can be taken into consideration when analyzing this poem. Mr. Williams lived a professional life. Although he had to live through tragedy, he, had, he overcame it and built this emotion into his writing. He was recognized for his talents by sharing his work, receiving awards, and he even took a different approach in the way poetry was traditionally rewritten. 
turning ordinary into extraordinary, which was truly something different and unique during his time. Yeah, um, I mean, going back to what we learned um, in class and in this chapter, the simplicity of this just to say, it's what makes it really special, right? I think um, as we analyze the poem, it made us think about what defines a literary art form, not only poetry, but also prose and short stories. It made us question, where's the line drawn? Where's the line really drawn to ca categorize a normal conversation from the script of a movie? And most importantly, it made us wonder what really defines art. Exactly. Being that there are many forms of poetry, we're able to dive deep into this is just to say and understand the author's intentions. Is it a poem or is it a note left in a kitchen table? Who knows? This curiosity left in the reader is one of the many characteristics that this is just to say has. I really enjoyed having this discussion today. It has been fun to analyze this piece. That is all we have for today. We hope we intrigued your curiosity with this case. Let us know what you think. I wanna thank you for joining us so much today, Yasmin and Randy. I really appreciate it. This concludes the Exploring Art Podcast. Subscribe to the Exploring Art Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us soon and remember to stay curious.